Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Amazon makes a big decision, not just a one-second headquarters, but they're going to split it up between New York City and Crystal City, right across the river from Washington, D.C. Northern Virginia wins big. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Great to see you today. Here we go. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the Bill Press Show on this uh, Tuesday, November 13. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, yeah, there is uh, some sanity uh, still in Washington, D.C., right here on the Bill Press Show. Every day for two hours, starting your day by bringing you all the news of the day uh, around the globe, around the country, and right here around uh, our nation's capital here at the, just the capitals, uh, the Congress, right down the street from us, or down at the White House, the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, or out in the federal agencies. We've got it all covered. That's why we're here for you and with you uh, every day with a great lineup of guests, and look forward, most importantly, to hearing your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Yes, we will run the gamut of all the news of the day, the big decision uh, by Amazon, as above stated. Also, Big decision out in Arizona. We have a Democratic senator from Arizona taking Jeff Flake's place. Kirsten Cinema declared the winner yesterday. Uh, meanwhile, the recount goes on still in Florida for Senate, U.S. Senate, and for governor. We'll check in on that as well. So much to talk about. So little time. You send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show, and we'll get right into it. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, right. indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Stanley Martin Lieber. That was the real name of Stan Lee, better known as the man who completely revolutionized the comic book Boy, world. Did he ever. Back yeah. in the 1960s, he created Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Black Panther, the Hulk, the X-Men, Four. all of these people that you now see on the screen day in and day out. 
He died yesterday at the age of 95. That's a hell of a life. Going strong until the very end. He absolutely was. I mean, you know, we talk. Yeah, he went to Comic-Con and, yeah. you know, every year. He was a star and there. The other thing is, Stanley's a real hero of mine. Uh, and if, if you watch any of the Marvel movies, there were two gigantic ones that came out this year with Infinity War and Black Panther. He always had a cameo. I know, a cameo role. Right. In the yeah. movies. Yeah. In all the different Marvel movies. It's like you Alfred Hitchcock. He's in there. Yeah. He's at somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's in there. In fact, there's one, one of the Iron Man movies, he actually plays Larry King in a very, very brief cameo. Oh, I didn't which see Which, yeah. you can totally see that, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can totally yeah. see that. No. Uh, anyway, he, he has died at the age of great 95. Man, great man, What a great contribution. Just the, ima- the creative imagination, right? Uh, incredible. The other thing that that needs to be said is right. Obviously, the heroes that he created have will last long after him, right? But he also did something very unique in that he gave these superheroes these neuroses. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they all right. They were not perfect. Fatal flaws. They yeah. all had problems. I saw an interview with him yesterday. We were saying about. It. So he came up with this idea. He thought this idea. What about what were there for men who could actually climb up the outside of buildings? Then he says, oh, that's great. Now I need him a, n- a name. Uh, Mosquito Man? No. <laughs> and he went through, you know, some things like that. Finally, Spider. Spider! spider. That's it! Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so rest in peace, Stanley, at the age of 95. By the way, you know what season it is, Bill? It's truffle season. There are a lot of truffles out there, including one that just All sold right. yesterday at a truffle auction in the Alba region of Italy. It's a big truffle, 850 grams and it went to a seller in Hong Kong oh. for about $95,000. Oh, my God. For oh. one Whoa. truffle. Again, it's a big truffle, Yeah, but. but that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money for one truffle. Get your pig out there, right? Your that's pigs right. and your that's dogs right. to find those truffles. <laughs> Apparently, there are these little, like, white flies that you, that indicate, you know, where oh, really? the truffles buried there. Oh, yeah, no I read a lot about that in, in the south of France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, the sun's coming up in Arizona with a brand new United States Senator Democrat, Kirsten Sinema. Big victory, big victory. Yeah, Donald Trump pushed Jeff Flake out of there. And what did he get? He got a Democrat in this place. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Tuesday, November 13. Great to see you today. On the Bill Press Show, that's me. Welcome to the program, and it's so good to have you on board as we uh, get you started today with all the news of the day coming to you live from our nation's capital, as always, and reaching out to you everywhere in this great land of ours on the radio, online, and on television, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And don't forget to go to our podcast uh, and uh, send us check out our podcast and sign up for our podcast so that you get all of our extra stuff that we send out to you uh, over the weekend uh, or during the day. And you can get to the sign up for the podcast, of course, by going to billpressshow.com. Check out the podcast or wherever you go for your podcast, iHeartRadio or whatever. Uh, And also on the radio, we're there with you statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and in Chicago and the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT. 
Television-wise, it's Free Speech TV, and welcome, all of you, you uh, free speechers today to the program with lots and lots to uh, to talk about. Great lineup of guests. Rebecca and Trauga, our good friend from Think Progress, will be along to bring us up to date on the latest in the Florida recount. Ray Locker, uh, good buddy, will be here as a friend of Bill for the entire second hour, joined by Max Bergman from the Moscow Project over at the Center for American Progress on all the latest on the Russian investigation and what we can expect from Robert Mueller uh, in the next week or so. So uh, just start with uh, an update on this tragic situation in California, my state, uh, not my home state, home state of Delaware, but uh, California adopted me or I adopted California, not sure which it is, um, but tragic, tragic fires uh, both in, in the north and the south. The campfire now, uh, we told you the count yesterday was um, 31 dead a total, 29 in the campfire up in Butte County, just northwest of Sacramento. Uh, today, yesterday, they found the remains of 13 more people. That toll is going to go up and up. 42 dead now in the campfire up in Butte County, uh, making it the deadliest fire in all of California's history, uh, exceeding the Griffith Park Fire, which was back in the 30s down in Los Angeles. Uh, burning, still burning out of control. The entire town of Paradise destroyed. Uh, just to give you an example of how widespread that was. Martha Schuster, Melissa Schuster, is a member of the city council. Uh, and pa- Paradise was a little retirement community. You know, I, we always always joked about it, but I'd never been to Paradise, been to Butte County, to Chico. Uh, but anyway, it's a, a total retirement community, uh, a lot of um, mobile homes and um, retirement homes. Entire town destroyed. Uh, five members of the city council, one of whom is Melissa Schuster, she points out every one of them, every single one of them lost their home. All of our houses have been destroyed. All all five city council members are now homeless. Just imagine, imagine that kind of destruction. You know, That's insane. Across, insane across the board. Um, meanwhile, down in the uh, Woolsey Fire, which is the Malibu area, uh, neither one of these, of course— Neither one of these, a forest fire, which uh, Donald Trump has accused, said that, that California basically brought this on itself by not managing its forest. The guy is so uninformed. He just ought to shut up because every time he talks, he just shows how more uninformed and stupid he is. Uh, at any rate, the Woolsey Fire in the Malibu area, hundreds and hundreds of homes are destroyed in Malibu area. I saw yesterday that fire was was advancing because of the Santa Ana winds consuming the equivalent of 30 football fields a minute. A minute? Yeah, Good that's God. how fast it was moving. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, and there's no way you can keep up with that. Uh, entire cities, Calabasas, big city in Ventura County, evacuated. Malibu, evacuated. Um, and... Um, and the fire chief down in Los Angeles, uh, he is uh, Chief Daryl Osby, says, look, I don't want to get political, but uh, let's just face the facts. Here's what's behind these fires. I don't really want to politicize our efforts right now as it relates to uh, me being in charge of uh, a first responder. Um, I can just tell you that um, we're in extreme climate change right now. Extreme climate change. That's that's. that's no flaming Democrat. That's not even Jerry Brown. 
that's the fire chief of Los Angeles County. He knows what he's dealing with. Uh, as far as Trump, Trump's comments uh, slamming the first responders, uh, the chief says, not very helpful. I um, personally find that statement um, unsatisfactory, and it's um, very hurtful for all first responders that are putting their lives in the line to protect lives and property. Yeah. Um, nicely said, Chief. Right. Just stay out of it. You know, what? what's ironic here is is that the federal government has actually put a lot of help into California. Uh, FEMA has, and the, dec- they, the, dec- the president actually signed a declaration giving them federal help. So the federal government could look like a big partner here and helping California. Instead, Donald Trump's tweets blaming California for the fires you know, just takes that whole edge away from it, uh, of, of any credit that the federal government could get. Again, once again, just stop tweeting, idiot. You know? Not doing it's himself. a very simple request. Yeah, it's not doing himself. Still himself. Tweet. Not doing himself any good. But it just shows the real side of Donald Trump is a very mean spirited, ugly side that, that just lashes out all the time. This morning, first tweet I saw this morning, Donald Trump lashing out at Emmanuel Macron, who at one time Maybe, what, six months ago, I was at the White House when Macron was at the White House and Trump couldn't keep his hands off him. It was embarrassing. Remember? Kept touching him oh, and yeah. hugging him and everything. It was very give, weird. Yeah, very weird. And now now he's he's out you know, attacking him every day uh, <clears throat> because uh, Emmanuel Macron had sort of exposed the um, bad side of Donald Trump's nationalism. Uh, at any rate... Uh, again, our hearts out to the people of California and our great thanks to the brave firefighters out there on the line uh, every day. Meanwhile, on the political front, whoa, big news from Arizona. Yeah, Donald Trump. So um, you went after Jeff Flake and uh, you really helped force Jeff Flake out of the Senate, uh, just basically attacking him so much that Jeff Flake said it's not worth it anymore. So, Donald Trump, you forced Jeff Flake out of the Senate. How did that work out for you? I'll tell you how it worked out. It worked out with Kirsten Cinema yesterday, who was behind a week ago um, when, the, when the first results were tabulated, um, but with more votes coming in, all the votes from Maricopa County now counted. Yesterday it was declared official. It is Kirsten Cinema who will be the next senator from Arizona over Martha McSally, which means at the most, at the most, uh, Republicans will pick up 52, maybe 53, yeah, Well, they, yeah. depending so, on Florida and Mississippi. That's it, yeah, those are the yeah, two that are left, two. which right. is remarkable because on election night, and in fact, the, the morning after the election. D- Donald Trump said it was going to be 55. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I right. thought that it looked like Republicans were going to pick up five seats, yeah, and now right. it could be as little as one. Yeah, so, so figure... Losing Indiana, losing Missouri, losing uh, North Dakota, down three, but then picking up Nevada, now picking up Arizona, and you've got Florida and um, and Mississippi uh, still out there. Uh, so it could be, yeah, could be just 51, same as if, or 52, maybe 53. Kirsten uh, Cinema yesterday saying, I'm going to be there and I'm going to fight for all Arizonans. We launched this campaign because Arizona veterans and all everyday Arizonans deserve a leader who will fight for them in the United States Senate. 
absolutely good for her. And you know what? Also, good for Martha McSally that the Republicans, including Donald Trump, were telling her, come on, you got to get out there and cry fraud. you got to complain about the fact that they're inventing, they're making up ballots. They're, you know, massively infected is what Donald Trump said about the Florida ballots. And you got to join this whole fraud campaign here so we can undermine the confidence in this election result. Martha McSally had nothing to do with that. She let the count, count go forward. And last night, class act, she conceded. I wish her all success as she represents Arizona in the Senate. And I also want to say thank you to everybody who supported me in this campaign, my staff and volunteers and everybody who voted for me. Yep, that's the way it is, you know. Look, I ran for office. I lost. What I do? You just, you just accept the fact, congratulate your opponent, and then get the hell out of the way. Look, it, this was very nice, and I'm glad that she went out that way. I have a horrible feeling about 2020 and what Republicans will oh. do when they start to lose. Oh, yeah. Oh, Namely, well, the well, president of the United States. Well, you know, I don't think that we're going to get a lot of that. You know, you know what? If Hillary had won, Donald Trump would still be contesting the election today. Well, think of this, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, yeah. but think yeah. of this. Let's say Donald Trump loses a a narrow uh, election in twenty twenty, and then he just doesn't leave. Oh yeah, he just yeah. doesn't give it up. Then what? That's then right. we've got a real problem. Then we get the troops from the border. Yeah, and we bring them back. To the White to House. the White House. <laughs> and no, chase him out. You know, you're chase, making a joke, but no. I, yeah. I, I could see you that happening. Chase his ass down Pennsylvania Avenue just as fast as he can run. Holy right? crap. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just, just point out, of course, it is true that Donald Trump did make a difference in some places uh, where he went with his, all of his big rallies. But he held more rallies in West Virginia, Montana, and Arizona than anywhere else. How'd that work out, Donnie, baby? <laughs> mm-hmm. West Virginia, think about it. North, I mean, uh, Montana <laughs> and Arizona. And, and just think, yeah. as you mentioned before, think about how hard Donald Trump pushed uh, Jeff, Jeff Flake, Flake out. to yeah. leave that Senate seat <laughs> because he didn't like what he had to right. say. And look at what he got for it. Yep. He flipped the seat. And by the way, Thank you to Jeff Flake. It's the first time he ever did anything nice for Democrats, even though he likes to talk a big game. This is the first thing he actually did that helped Democrats. Right. And meanwhile, the recount goes on in Florida. The deadline for the machine recount uh, is uh, 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon. I hope they give them a little grace if they don't quite make the 3 o'clock deadline. Uh, And as we learned yesterday, if it gets down to 0.25%, uh, 0.50 is what triggered the recount. If it gets down to so close as to 0.25, then there would be a hand recount, which they have until the 18th, uh, would have until the 18th of November to do a total hand recount. Uh, but the votes are underway. Um, there are attorneys from both sides there watching every single vote count. Uh, and meanwhile, of course, uh, Donald Trump, who yesterday put out a tweet saying that they ought to just declare, just call the race, just inter- interrupt the recount. Don't do the recount. Just call the race for Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis because he said ballots have been massively in- infected. Now, one thing is worth pointing out: some of the ballots coming in late that are just being counted. Now, these are count- these are ballots that were cast legally. Let's be very very clear about that. There have been no ballots cast after the midterms. Some of those ballots are the military ballots coming in by mail, which, like in two thousand didn't get there right in, in, term to, in time to be counted before Election Day. 
So the Republicans and Donald Trump are in effect saying that our members of the military who voted overseas, their votes should not count. This, this is a guy who pretends to love the military, wouldn't go to the cemetery on Saturday because it was ra- outside of Paris to honor our World War I veterans because it was raining and he didn't want his hair, orange hair, hair dye to, to drip. Uh, and this is the same guy who is now trying to shut down military votes in Florida. Massively infected. I just want to read his tweet yesterday yeah. that you just referenced because he says, the Florida election should be called in favor of Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis. And that who? Lar- right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, based on this nothing. Idiot in the White House. Uh, should be called in favor of Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis and that large numbers of new ballots showed up out of nowhere Mm-mm. and many ballots are missing or forged. It's, it's just making it up. It's just making it up. An honest vote way, count is no longer possible. Ballots that are missing, he, if he's talking about, they're the undervote, so-called. Yeah. Those are votes that are missing for Bill Nelson right. because in Broward County, the ballot was so confusing that a lot of people did not vote for Senate, and it's a Democratic county. Uh, yeah. And my favorite, he just ends the tweet by just saying, must go with election night. Yeah. What I mean, is that based on what? Yeah. Just because? No. Yeah. You got the result that you wanted on election night? Based on the real estate shyster Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so at any rate, that that uh, the uh, recount there goes on for, for three races, uh, but the most important ones, of course, are governor and Senate. Um, and a judge yesterday where Rick Scott said that Broward County should be decertified because of all kinds of shenanigans and fraud. Uh, a judge yesterday looked at the total, total, total lack of evidence that Rick Scott put up behind his lawsuit, and the judge ruled it was totally frivolous. There was zero evidence of any fraud. So he ruled against Rick Scott, is not going to shut down Broward County's vote count. And the judge also said that the governor should just cool his jets and stop the uh, insane talk about fraud. As Andrew Gillum said yesterday, Here's what the judge told uh, Rick Scott. In court today, the judge said to the governor and to their attorneys that they have to ratchet down their rhetoric. Whoa, ratchet down the rhetoric, uh, indeed. Uh, By the way, one uh, little sidelight here on the, which I found very interesting today, our good friend uh, Steve Shepard from Politico uh, has an excellent piece this morning. Um, you know, we talked a lot, uh, a lot of influence, uh, e- emphasis on the young vote this time. And get, we've had several people in, right, as guests, talking about getting the millennials out to vote. And 31% of them voted, like, in this election. And uh, we were thinking, well, where are all the rest of them, right? Why didn't they vote? Um, but Steve Shepard says, you know what, who really made the difference this year in terms of Democrats winning House seats? We're not the millennials. They were people 50 and older, which is usually a Republican vote. I was stunned to hear this. Uh, You may be as surprised as I, that 65 percent, that's two-thirds of the people who voted in the midterm elections were over over 45. Not the millennials, over 45. And normally, again, this is a crowd that goes for Republicans. They're older, they're more conservative, boom, boom, boom. I don't know why, but they are. Um, but this year, in the 50, from 50 to 64, 
the breakdown was 50% Republican, 49% Democratic. And over 65, the breakdown was just about the same, 50% Republican, 48% Democratic. That's a demographic that Democrats used to lose by 10 or 12 points. And this year, among the older Americans, 45 and up, if you want to call that, that's not that old, but uh, they're not millennials, uh, 45 and up, uh, Democrats kept up with Republicans, made a total equal equal break with Republicans in that constituency, uh, and that's who won the selection. 66% of the voters, 45 and, and older. Uh, so Democrats really did appeal. I think the issue was two things. One, people were getting disgusted with Donald Trump. He didn't deliver the way he said he would. He didn't fight for middle-class Americans that said he was going to, working-class Americans. Um, and also health care, health care, big issue, particularly with that age group, big issue with health care. A um, couple of other issues we want to touch on before we uh, move on here. Um, big disappointment yesterday. I don't know whether you saw this. So this whole issue of sexual abuse among Catholic priests, which has been around for a while, ever since it blew up, you know, in Ireland and then up in Boston and the big movie, the Boston Globe expose. Um, and But it all came back a couple of months ago when in Pennsylvania, the state attorney general ruled that in seven out of eight dioceses in Pennsylvania, there were like something like 2,000 cases of sexual abuse on the part of maybe like 400 priests or something. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and so... The bishops of the United States were, are meeting right now in Baltimore, and they were going to vote today on some new rules to hold bishops more responsible, new set of ethics rules, to hold bishops more responsible for either not reporting to authorities cases of sexual abuse or by just transferring priests or maybe and or transferring priests who were guilty of this instead of reporting them to authorities or firing them, suspending them, just sending them off to another parish or another school where, of course, they could pick up the same practices with just a different set of kids. Get this. So the bishops were scheduled to vote today in Baltimore. Uh, they got a letter yesterday from the Vatican telling them, please don't vote. Oh, boy. The Vatican telling American bishops, Please don't adopt, don't vote today. Don't adopt because they knew they were going to adopt these tougher rules. I mean, what the hell is going on? I'm tell, I, we've said it before. What happened to this pope? This pope who is so good on every issue, he just has a blind spot when it comes to the sex, the seriousness of these sexual abuse allegations, and and he showed that most recently when he, yeah, instead of firing the cardinal or the archbishop of Washington, Cardinal Wherley. Uh, I guess he's been named a cardinal, archbishop or cardinal, whoever. Uh, instead of just firing him, and this is a guy when he was in Pittsburgh before he came to Washington who did reassign several priests rather than fire them. Uh, at any rate, instead of just firing him, he promoted him, took him out of active service in charge of the Diocese of Washington, but promoted him to some new post and praised him for being such a great uh great leader of the Catholic Church. I mean, the Pope is just blind when it comes to this whole issue. And uh, to tell the American bishops who really 
to save their reputation and the future of the Catholic Church have to take some strong stands to tell them, no, no, don't do that. Wait until February, he said, when I'm going to have a meeting in Rome and we'll deal with it then. You know, related to that story, by the way, did you see this uh, uh, this other story? The fastest growing religion in America, the fastest growing religion that people identify with? Buddhism. None. Oh, oh, I'm not surprised at that, really. Yeah, none. Yeah. None. Which, you know, oh. for a long time you sort of had to identify as something, and now it's, people are just saying, I'm just not religious. That's the fastest growing religion in America that people are identifying with. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. Well, how, some, you gonna, how, you, how can you call yourself a Catholic uh, these days? Something like this would uh, would drive you to that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, we did mention at the very top um, another big decision on the part of Amazon. Yeah, they've been playing this little game. You know, I, I think this was all a phony game. I think they knew where they were going to go. But, boy, if if it was phony, they – to their credit, they pulled off a great – they got us all guessing where was Amazon going to go with its second headquarters, 50,000 jobs. And you know what? Every city in the country just about went out of its way to say, oh, come here and we'll give you this. No, we'll give you more than that. We'll give you all this tax dollars, boom, boom, boom. This is a great competition, big game, a lot of second – a lot of guessing. Well, uh, they made it official. Well, the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday Amazon is not yet confirmed, but – Everybody's reporting it, uh, that Amazon is going to split the second. It's not going to be just one. It's going to be half here and half there. One half will go to New York City, part of Queens called Long Island City. Uh, and the other half will be right here, right across the river. We can see it from our studio uh, in Arlington, home of uh, Rachel Rogers, um, in uh, Crystal City. Uh, 25,000 jobs in each spot, and uh, it'll be a big boom for the economy of Northern Virginia uh, and for New York City as as well. Um, and uh, everybody who owns a home in this area has just got a big smile on their face today because their property value is just what? Boop. Way, way, way up. And one final thing. Uh, you know, we beat on Florida so much, right? But you got to admit, when it comes to initiatives this year, Florida got two things right. Probably the most important, I think, initiative victory in the entire country this time was the proposition, the initiative in Florida that restored voting rights to felons in Florida. Uh, one and a half million people, 10 percent of the entire voting population of Florida, which is incredible, uh, now have the right to vote under this initiative. Uh, and 40 uh, percent of them were African-American men. You know had they been able to vote in this election, Andrew Gillum would be hands down the governor of Florida. Bill Nelson would be hands down the next United States senator from Florida. So we talked about that, and, and again, kudos to Florida. Here's another one that I lost track of. Florida also voted overwhelmingly to ban, this is Amendment 13, to ban greyhound racing. Now, Peter, you and I know that the, really the, the what we really need is to ban horse racing. Amen. Yes. But this is a this is a kind of a good first step, and these these dogs are, again are abused and mistreated and broken bones and a lot of them you know don't survive. Uh, there are some thirty seven hundred greyhounds in Florida now, and these the tracks will all close down by twenty twenty overwhelmingly. There are 13, 17, If I, I want to get the number right, I think it's yeah. There are seventeen active dog tracks in the country. 
11 of them are in Florida. No kidding. Wow. Some, for some reason, this is just a sport that people love in Florida, right? That's wild. Yeah. And they chase some artificial, like, mechanical rabbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just But animal racing, sick, top sick, to sick. bottom, right? Horses, yeah, dogs, whatever yeah. it is. Right. It's, it's inhumane and should be done away with. Right. Uh, so now uh, there's a big move to find new homes for these greyhounds. Yeah. That's right? a real thing. Either through the uh, Humane Society. There's another organization just uh, dedicated to this. It's called Grey 2K USA. Got a ring to it. Yeah. Gray 2K USA, uh, and uh, they're looking for people who adopt these uh, pet, hopefully people who could drive to Florida, uh, pick one up, drive it home. Uh, but great move on the state of Florida. So you got to give Florida credit for at least those two uh, initiatives. Rebecca Entralgo joins us next here, here on the Bill Press Show from uh, Think Progress to bring us up to date on the other side of Florida, all these recounts. It's a great Tuesday, November 13. Quick break. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Tuesday, November 13. Uh, welcome back, everybody, or welcome to the program. If you're just joining us, coming to you live from our nation's capital, uh, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. And uh, those of you watching on Free Speech TV, uh, I know what you're thinking, and maybe even those of you listening uh, or those of you watching on YouTube thinking the same, uh, or maybe those of you on the radio just have the sense of something different today. Yet, yeah, well, take a close look. You can see it, this beautiful hand-woven scarf that I'm wearing. <laughs> it is that time of year. It's getting a little chilly here in Washington, D.C., and wherever you are, time to roll out your hand-woven total singular piece of art by Carol Press, the real talent in the family. Uh, this one is a Rayon Chenille scarf. You can see it. Uh, and um, many, many of you uh, wear them. But if you don't yet, go to our website, BillPressShow.com, and click on the link Click on the link to the uh, Carol Press scarves, and you too can be as uh, attractively attired as I am today with lots of different colors and patterns uh, to choose from. Again, each one hand-woven, singular work of art. Check it out at BillPressShow.com. Uh, uh, Peter, we've been at it for a little bit here. Um, we uh, have indeed. Way, I'm sorry. Rebecca! <laughs> hi. Hi, oh, hi. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Rebecca. Sorry. Don't no, have no worries. Don't have another scarf for you this morning. But uh, yeah, Rebecca from Think Progress here to bring us up to date on Florida matters and others. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Us. And we've been at it for a little bit here, Peter. So, indeed. Uh, We're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the nicest thing that Jeff Flake ever did to Democrats was to not uh, run in Arizona, partly because Donald Trump pushed him out of that race. Uh, David reminds us Trump is also responsible for losing the Alabama Senate seat, too. Remember, he pushed uh, so yes. hard. Uh, uh, for, excellent point. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and Luther now, Strange, remember Luther, him? Yeah, Big Luther. <laughs> mm -hmm. Big Luther, who is no longer with us uh, as a candidate. Uh, we now and, have of course, Doug he Jones. emptied that seat by appointing Je uh, Jeff Sessions. That's and right. So <laughs> total disaster <laughs> all the way around. Right? That's right. That's right. Uh, also, uh, again, we're on Twitter, at BP Show. Romaine says, you know that this whole mess, this is talking about Florida uh, and the elections, which we're about to talk to with Rebecca. Uh, you know, this whole mess started when people felt that a concession had to be given on election night. We, as a society, are so consumed with instant gratification, how many elections have been wrongly awarded? That's a That's very a good, point. good point also. Yeah. By the way, it's worth repeating that Donald Trump called for 
negating, not counting, military votes. Mm -hmm. He called for that on Veterans Day. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, he called for stopping the count, not counting those votes that are coming in from uh, absentee ballots from our members of the military on Veterans Day. Just remember that when you think this guy cares one damn about the military. Yeah. And by the way, don't forget, we're also uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. There's a chat room there where you can give us your comments, which we're reading all throughout the show. Also, we have super chats there. You can pay a little money, a little donation, which means that your uh, comment gets highlighted, <laughs> put to the front of the line. And big, big, big shout out to Bruce, who is there day in, day out. He gave us a very sizable super chat. Uh, Bruce, we thank you very, very much. That's really, really great. No, it, it is. I mean, that show of appreciation is um, very much recognized here, and we're very grateful for it. It's so. a great way to support to the show. and all the other super chatters, I yeah, guess, right? Yeah, it's a great way yeah. to support the show, and also get your comment read. So thanks, Bruce. All right. So, Rebecca, oh, by the way, re- related, I guess, to somehow um, one item we didn't mention just breaking this morning, that Donald Trump, according to the Washington Post front page, has apparently uh, told his aides that uh, Kirsten Nielsen, the HHS secretary, mm-hmm. is out of a job. She She's the next one to go um, mm-hmm. after Jeff said. We knew there were going to be others. For those of you who had your money on Ryan Zinke, <laughs> sorry, everyone. Yeah. But this is the woman Donald Trump thinks. By the way, this is John Kelly's protege. Yeah. Which, which is pretty significant. Uh, and also, this is a woman that Donald Trump says is not tough enough yeah. on immigration. This is a woman who threw these kids in cages. Yeah, and I think that's, that's something kind of, uh, you know, Nielsen and Sessions can kind of, they share uh, in Donald Trump's eyes that they both are not as tough on immigration as they wanted uh, them to be. So, I mean, I, that, that's that's the one thing I get from that news is that, you know, as brutal and as horrible as both of those people were on immigration, that wasn't enough. And it's so much so that, you know, sessions for other reasons because of, uh, you know, the Mueller investigation and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. Being, but you know, not being tough on immigration isn't, you know, a significant part of that reason why he was canned also. Well, but it does uh, it does uh, indicate that John Kelly doesn't ha- certainly doesn't have the standing mm-hmm. and the influence and mm-hmm. the power that people thought he would mm-hmm. that he once had. And right. people thought he would maintain with right. Donald Trump because Trump always says, you know, mm-hmm. how proud he is to have this great general there yeah. and everything. But uh but he uh, he's fought to to save her job, and according to the Washington Post, Donald Trump has already made his decision. It's just a matter mm. of when. And by the way, <laughs> once once that word gets out, it'll probably be today. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's mm-hmm. today. Look at Jeff Sessions. I mean, yeah. the the less than twenty four hours after the midterms. Yeah. right? We yeah. knew it was going to be after the midterms. Mm-hmm. We thought it would be Day a after. week or two weeks or something. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, you have been uh, down in Florida. You're a Florida connection here. <laughs> yeah. um, what county? Uh, well, I have family in Miami-Dade County, family in Palm Beach County, and family in Broward. Uh, not Broward, Brevard County. Brevard County. Mm-hmm. Do you vote in Florida? I do vote in Florida. I'm registered to vote in Leon County, which is where Tallahassee is. Oh, Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I went to college at Florida State, so I, got I uh, turned 18 there. And I voted for the first time there in 2016. Sorry about um, your football team this year. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I've never heard of. <laughs> I've never heard of the Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> never heard of college football. <laughs> okay. 
So one one basic question about Florida: mm-hmm. Why can't they get it? Why can't they get it straight? Why can't they get a ballot that makes sense? Yeah, this is the one I mean, thing this is that everyone asked. Eighteen years me. after the butterfly ballot, we mm-hmm. thought that okay, at least some some you know s- sensible people are going yeah. to come in, and it, it's not that complicated. Yeah. You know, I yeah. voted ever since I've been eighteen, mm-hmm. right? And you know. Where I vote, it's always easy to pretty to read the ballot and yeah. check your box. And in Florida, they always come up with these so complicated people, and there's so many older people there, and they can't figure them out. Nope. And like it's Broward always, County. It's always Jesus. it's always Broward, and I really wish I had an answer as to why it's always Broward. Um, that's like the number one question people ask me is like, why is it Florida that always messes up? And I really wish I knew, <laughs> but I don't, and that's what makes it so infuriating. Um, but yeah, the, the the ballot in Broward was a was a pretty big problem that resulted in about like twenty five thousand undervotes for the Senate race. Yeah, um, there and you undervotes. know undervotes. I mean, these are again, if we, we explain this, but just one more time, these are ballots that where people voted for everything but yeah. U.S. Senate. Yeah, because it was just hard on the face of the ba- looking at the ballot to find yeah. where you vote for U.S. Senate. Yeah, and if you see a picture of the of the ballot, it's very easy to it's very easy to miss. At least in Leon County. The way the ballot was set up is, you know, the instructions are on one side, one page, and then on the next page, every race is on the same page. But for some reason, in Broward County, the instructions are on that page, and then it's like the instructions make up about 90% of that page. Then the other 10% is the Senate race in the corner at the bottom. And if you, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's, a, and, and, and in Broward and in Miami Dade, the ballots are, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of things on the ballot. I think in Miami Dade it was yeah. about, it was about seven or eight pages. Um, I think Mark Caputo at, uh, uh, Politico, Florida kind of timed it, how long it would take for him to read everything on the ballot there. And I think it was about 16 minutes of just like reading everything on the ballot. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's a complicated ballot. I, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I was I'm showing my age here. I was about five years old when the recount happened in uh, Bush v. Gore and everything. So I don't remember it that much. But I, I guess I'm blessed to have an, uh, a recount that I can experience. No, um, you're not. As an adult. No, you're I'm not. looking at it on the, on the bright side. But I remember, you know, the butterfly ballot. Um, Jews for Pat Buchanan. I remember yeah, reading all yeah. of that, and that was like one of the first civic lessons I remember in middle school. Um, you know, you took a trip to um, Tallahassee. You got to go to the Capitol. You got to see one of the the voting booths from 2000. And you know, it's very much a part of the the history. And I guess they they want to keep keep going with it. I uh, I saw Pat Saturday, and he mm-hmm. and, he and I were, were laughing about the last time we had a big <laughs> Florida mess. Was yeah, the, and, yeah. and Pat recognizes. I mean, he didn't. Those people didn't want to vote for no. Pat Buchanan, right? <laughs> the no. Jews for Pat Buchanan. Yeah, no, no. Nope. Uh, uh, so th- with this recount today, um, they're un- it's underway mm-hmm. uh, for three different races. Yeah, and uh, is the recount is it in every county or just in? Broward it's statewide. statewide. Yeah, for to okay. finish up just the rest of the votes they have. Because some counties, like Hillsborough County in Tampa, has about like 5,000 votes left or something like that. So it's just a statewide machine recount. Um, and then. And their um, deadline is 3 p.m. Thursday. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, if, it's 8 p.m. Thursday. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What if they don't make it? Uh, if they don't make it, then the original uh, vote that happened on election night stands if that, in that county. So <laughs> oh, why, couldn't they give them a like, OK, we'll give you another 
six hours or um, Some people, I, they're, they're presuming Who that. Who decides? Um, I believe it's the supervisor of election in each of the in each of the counties. Each of the counties mm-hmm. or statewide? The secretary uh, of state? No, I or? think I I think it's Ken Desner, secretary of state, yes. What was that? What was her name? Kathleen, Kathleen Harris? Kathleen Harris, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She was she was the woman, um, but now it's Ken Desner who was appointed by Scott, um, and yeah. So by Thursday, um, you know the machinery counts have to be done in the counties where they're not done. The original um, uh, vote on election day stands, um, and the uh, they're 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 thinking okay. that in. Um, Broward County, they'll ask for an extension because they couldn't even get started on the recount yeah, um, in time. Yeah. It just seems so. <laughs> to me that the, 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 the reasonable request, if they've really been working their asses off yeah, uh, and they get you mm-hmm. know close and they say it'll take us another three, four hour, even another day, whatever, yeah. it'd be hard to deny that. Yeah, I think there there is uh, one of but, the many lawsuits that are swirling around. I think there's one from the Florida League of Women Voters um, and vote vets who want to file for an extension so that overseas ballots can be counted fairly. Um, right. And uh, I think they want to extend that a couple of day, a day, okay. I believe. And if this if a machine count gets mm-hmm. it down to within 0.25, then? Then it goes to a manual count. A manual count. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then um, that it would be the first statewide manual count in Florida. Um, and that would presumably oh, would take really? a long time. B- mm-hmm. Bush v. Gore never got that far. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, it was uh-huh. just a machine recount. But um, a hand count. Imagine hand count. how how long that yeah. would take. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very lengthy process and um, that needs to be completed by Sunday. So they would really only have, you know, it's on, the, the deadlines are extremely tight. You have the Thursday deadline, then you have to recount these thousands That's of- That's impossible. No, it, it, it is impossible. Impossible um, to go, because if they don't know till Thursday night at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and then they have Friday, Saturday, Sunday yeah. to do- a Hand manual count? count? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So but that's why there are a number of um, uh, efforts from both sides of, you know, Republicans and Democrats trying to, uh, you know, Republicans wanting to stop the counting and stop, st- or, you know, hashtag st- stop or stop the steal, I believe is the hashtag they're using. Um, and, uh, you know, Democrats uh, like lawyers Phil Bill Nelson want to extend it as, mu- as long as possible to ensure that every vote is count and, and and while Andrew Gillum is a little bit further behind than Nelson, um, you know he sort of retracted his concession in in a lot of ways and said that he's you know <clears throat> instead calling for every vote to be counted, which is is normal. That's a normal thing people should want is for every single vote to be counted. Um, and the way that Republicans have sort of gone around that is to say, well, you know, these are ballots that are fake. These are not ballots that are being counted. These are ballots that just show up out of nowhere. OK, well, that's what Rick Scott claimed. And he right. actually filed a lawsuit right. against Broward County to that to mm-hmm. that on that point, uh, which was heard in front of a, a judge yesterday. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, Andrew Gillum tells us, First of all, what did the judge say on the merits of the case? Uh, that there was there, there's no evidence of fraud at all. Oh, surprise, surprise, <laughs> right? Yeah, there, Gee, there's he brought that, nothing, no evidence. <laughs> that's right. When Donald Trump uh, tweeted yesterday that the that the ballots in Florida were massively infected, yeah, zero yeah. evidence of that. This is the same yeah. man who said that uh, in um, 2016 the Hillary people were bussing people. From Massachusetts to mm-hmm. New Hampshire to vote, right? Not true, right? When he said that five million people voted illegally for Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. not true. When he said that he won the popular vote, not true. Yeah. When he said ahead of time that the whole thing was rigged and he wouldn't accept the outcome of the election, of course, yeah, turned out the electoral vote gave him the presidency. Then he stopped complaining about fraud. 
So whatever he says about Florida is not true. But the judge also said something else in a message to Rick Scott, which Andrew Gillum told uh, a group of supporters uh, yesterday. In court today, the judge said to the governor and to their attorneys that they have to ratchet down their rhetoric. Yeah, basically saying stop talking about fraud. Yeah, and there was a video that I was making the rounds um, on Twitter from, I think it was like a documentary about the recount in 2002, and Andrew Gillum was actually, he was a student at Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, and he was interviewed, very young college kid, and he was talking about voter suppression. He was talking about issues, you know, that we're talking about today, issues with, uh, you know, people being purged from voter rolls, um, signature matching. You know, he was talking about this as a college student. It was just so bizarre to see uh, him, you know, just as a super young college student talking about exactly the same issues that he's facing. Well, with that's race. the other side. It's like the, the twilight ex- zone. Yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah. To the extent that there has been any voter fraud mm-hmm. that we know of, it's really in place. Uh, I, I don't know about Florida, but in Georgia, where the Secretary of State yeah. has shut down polling places, yeah. has um, has not certified yeah. some fifty three thousand people who, uh, because of some little glitch in, in, the, in mm-hmm. the, the form that they filled out, yeah. um, and shut down early voting, yeah. all that kind of yeah. In, in Florida, su- voter suppression. Yeah, a lot of um, you know, when I was down in in Florida for early voting, a lot of the times. Um, People ran in, on election day. There are early voting sites that are designated early voting sites, um, and then there are early voting sites um, in the general election. Or there are a couple of voting sites in the general election that you can go to, even if you don't live in that, even if that's not your yeah, designated. Right. So There's a lot of, of like they're general voting general sites, voting yeah. Sites, and yes. so a lot of people would show up to their the place where they voted early, which is not necessarily their precinct, and they're thinking it's a general voting place, and they get, you know them being turned away, and a lot of people. Uh, you know, I was talking to a couple people who were like, why is this so why is this so difficult? <laughs> Which is why a lot of Democrats when I was um, down there are really pushing on uh, registering Democrats or getting registered Democrats to be registered to vote by mail um, because it's just easier. Um, and, you know, even if you are going to vote by mail and you don't end up sending in your ballot, you can get a provisional ballot at the so It's just a lot easier for Democrats to get out the vote to have them registered um, by mail. Absolutely. A couple mm-hmm. of states have done that. Oregon, yeah, number one. Oregon. Yeah. Uh, and it works. And there's mm-hmm. zero evidence of, there's, first of all, there's no evidence of voting fraud yeah. uh, anywhere. But certainly in, in in Oregon, they haven't had any problems at all. Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling to the extent to which Republicans want to create an issue of, of voter fraud. I think a, a couple of conservative pundits like Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA, um, he, he tweeted out this article that he ended up deleting um, but it was from 2012. It was an NBC Miami article about how like 200,000 votes in um, Miami were like illegal or something like that. And if you read the article, were a, it illegal? was yeah. They used the word illegal in the in the headline, but it turned out to be where it was something had had to do with like um, uh, I believe it was address registered addresses or signature matching. And in the article, it turned out to be only about 85. But the headline was you know if you just posted the article without reading it, you know 200,000 votes illegal in Florida. And um, that's why he ended up having to delete the tweet. But it got a lot of retweets and a lot of other people um, ran with the story. And uh, you know, to NBC Miami's credit, when they found out that it was, you know, remaking the rounds, it kind of, you know, updated at the top being like, hey, this article is from 2012. And here's actually what the article is and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just really want to make this a problem and stop as many people from getting their votes counted as possible. And it's... Rebecca Andrago with us from uh, Center for American Pro- Think Progress at the Center for American Progress at thinkprogress.org. 
Now, not that the, all this Florida stuff is not uh, uh, important, <laughs> but there are a couple of other stories that you've been working on that we wanted to ask you about. Um, one is that while sort of under the radar, mm-hmm. and this gets back to Kirsten Nielsen, uh, the Trump administration has been just plodding along with some pretty severe anti-immigrant uh, measures that haven't gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. The biggest one is the asylum ban that's going to be in place for about 90 days, um, preventing anyone um, crossing the border illegally, so not through a port of entry, um, for applying, preventing them from applying through asylum. Um, and, you know, it's in theory, it sounds like common sense, like, oh, anyone who doesn't who crosses the border, quote unquote, illegally, you know, shouldn't be given a right to apply for asylum. But there are a number of reasons why people don't uh, cross the border at a port of entry. For one, they're being turned away at the at, the, at ports of entry. There are long lines. Um, agents are telling them to come back another day. They don't, you know, they've walked for hundreds of miles. Maybe they don't want to come back another day. They want to, you know, just get the process over with. Um, and another times are where, you know, maybe you don't plot out your uh, route to the border efficiently and you end up being 100 miles away from the nearest port of entry. Um, so, you know, it just makes more it makes sense to just cross the border, find a border agent and sort of, you know, kind of tell them your situation that you want to apply for asylum. Yeah. And that's they that for 90 days, that process is halted. So just on that point, because you've, you've explained this to us before, uh, these are people who are coming here to Mm -hmm. seek asylum. Right. So when they cross the border, they're not running, fleeing, trying to escape the guards. Yeah, no. Just the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for Mm -hmm. an agent. And and, and oftentimes the people who are applying for asylum are families. They're, you know, these are family units who are coming here um, to, they know that they can apply for asylum and they want to do that. In, In the, you know, view of the Trump administration, the reason why, uh, this you know sort of ban has been put in place is because he believes that people are making false claims. Like he said, they're being coached by lawyers uh, and a couple of immigration agents I talked to were like, we're definitely not coaching them to say, uh, you know, whatever you know, whatever we want them to say. Like that's not true. Then there was another false claim that um, only three percent of um, uh, asylum seeking immigrants return for their court dates, and that's not true. Um, about uh, the immigration lawyers I talked to say about it's about closer to 93, 95 percent because they want to be a part of this country. They want no, right. no one. No one likes living under no a majority of people don't like living under the radar. Um, and, and that's something that I think, you know, people don't register. And this goes for like any program, whether it's immigration or like uh, people who are on uh, on social safety net programs like like uh, SNAP. People love to say, oh, they love getting free money or they love living like this. No one does. <laughs> no one wants to rely on the government, really, um, for for programs like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just the whole mess and it's and it's infuriating. <laughs> right. Um uh, uh, on a totally different issue, but something related, uh, Trump administration for sure, they've been trying in many, many ways to, uh, ever since uh, Congress failed to repeal Obamacare, mm-hmm. to undermine key provisions of Obamacare. Yeah. We've seen that um, with, for example, right now, yeah. uh, the uh, pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also moved to take away the provision that, that companies have to provide uh, for contraception in their health policies. Yeah, this if if it fundamentally or if it morally or religiously disagrees with the employer, they 
uh, can now deny access or deny coverage. But wasn't this the hobby? Or- yeah, it was like it was the Hobby Lobby situation. Same, same, same reason. Same sort of reasoning there. Uh, if your employer is morally or religiously opposed to birth control, they could. Um, I think it, they finalized the plan last week, so you know that's a very real thing that they could deny uh, coverage um, under your health care plan. To but what them. I don't understand is if you've got a health policy. I mean, nobody is forcing you, right? To practice any particular form of birth control, right? If your health policy, if health, all health policies cover it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you have to practice it or take advantage of that insurance policy, right? Yeah. So I don't see the I, risk. I it's mean, a big it's, deal. People believe that. See the negative side of it. For <laughs> yeah. Sure, I mean, people but, believe it's infringing upon their religious freedoms, just like the same thing with baking a cake or it's a land of the free, home of the brave. You can deny. <laughs> People yeah, access to basic uh, yeah, things. I come back to show me, show me in the Bible where it yeah. says, show me in the Bible where it says you cannot practice birth control <laughs> or family planning. It ain't there. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, Rebecca, it's always good to see you. Thank Thanks you so much for well. coming in. Of course. Again, thinkprogress.org. Uh, we're just getting started. Ray Locker joins us next as a friend to Bill. Take us all through the news of the day. And what about the Khashoggi tapes? Haven't this talked about them yet. Coming the up Bill next. Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yeah, Amazon makes it official. Not going to be one new headquarters. It's going to be two. And one half of them is going to be right here in the Washington area, right across the river in Crystal City. The other one up in New York, Queens, Long Island City, they call it. Hello, everybody. Uh, We're the big winners here today. Uh, Everybody very happy in the Washington area. Great to see you on this uh, Tuesday, November 13th. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's a great pleasure to be with you and to start your day with the news of the day here at the Bill Press Show as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where the uh, Congress comes back in session today. It's the beginning of the lame duck session uh, where they're going to have to decide the new leadership among Republicans in the House, uh, now the minority party, new leadership, or bringing back the former leadership of the uh, Democratic Party in the House, since they are now in control. And then there's this little item uh, called the wall, which is yet unfunded, and Donald Trump knows that this is his last chance to get any funding for the wall. We'll see how all that plays out. Lots and lots to talk about today. And the midterms, we're still counting votes. (laughs) It ain't over yet, even though it's a week ago today. Ray Locker joins us uh, as a friend of Bill here for the uh, entire hour. Ray, it's always good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Um, Interesting times, huh? 
Very. Always. <laughs> Always. There's never a dull day no, in never, Trump world. Never a dull 15 minutes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right. Uh, we don't have time to really <laughs> swallow or chew any one story before we're on to the next bite, you know? It's a, I have had times where I have literally gone to the bathroom for five minutes and someone has been fired or quit. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? Before the end of this show, it could be Kirsten uh, Nielsen. Maybe I should stop drinking so much coffee. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Anyhow, it's great to be with you, and we want to hear from you. Your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, we all dive right back into the news of the day. But first, this is the Full Peter Court here. Press. You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news. You know, next week, Bill, is Thanksgiving, which we agree is the best holiday. It is the best holiday. Not just it's a little early this year. It, it is a little early this year. Yes, indeed. Although, uh, you know, look. I'll take it. I, I mean, love Thanksgiving because I love the holiday, but also I love the food. Well, Pringles Potato Chips is getting in on this. They have a Thanksgiving-flavored Pringles package, which I should point out is sold out already. It's not available in stores. You could buy it at Kellogg's store online for $14.99. So what do you get if you buy them? You get three different limited edition flavors of chips. Turkey. Stuffing. Turkey chips. Turkey chips. Stuffing chips. Stuffing chips. chips, No. And pumpkin pie chips. That is a hard (laughs) no for me. You know me. I like potato chips a lot. Sure. But no. 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 You know Enough with the pumpkin. Yeah. You know what's great? Just potato chips. Yeah. Potato yeah. chips are great. I don't need pumpkin pie flavored potato <laughs> chips or turkey flavored potato chips. Although, look, if you want to do Thanksgiving on a budget, just put out a couple of bowls and dump the, the Pringles in there. Who needs to cook? Uh, For $14.99. $14.99. Thanksgiving dinner, done. Wait, but the idea that this is sold out? It's sold out. Oh, it's man. sold out. That's what a is, cry for help. What is, it is. What does that tell you about? <laughs> this reminds me, remember a couple of years ago, Joan Soda did the- Oh, uh, don't tell me about the it. The Thanksgiving sodas. We had to taste them <laughs> And we had the studio. taste test in studio. <laughs> they were disgusting. Horrible. Think green <laughs> bean really... casserole soda. Oh, awful. green bean. I'll never forget <laughs> it was disgusting. that one. That was, and that, they had and little onion rings floating the in the color, soda. the color of it, too. Oh. Oh. It was disgusting. By the way, uh, one other quick story before we take a quick break. You know, we talk a lot about the NFL and the concussion issues around the NFL. Yesterday, the NHL, the National Hockey League, announced that they have reached a tentative settlement with uh, some retired players to the tune of $19 million. says that they admit they failed to protect them from head injuries and did not warn them properly of the risks involved with playing hockey. Remember, it has not been that long that hockey players had to wear helmets. They used to be able to go without helmets. Really? Yeah. Oh, I remember watching games with the guys who didn't wear helmets. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. This is the Bill Press Show. We got a winner, a big winner in Arizona. The next senator from Arizona, a Democrat, Kirsten Sinema, announced finally yesterday. Uh, She, uh, last night, all the people of Arizona. She's going to be there and fight for all the Arizonas. And Martha McSally did not call fraud. She graciously conceded a defeat and congratulated her opponent, which is the way it should work. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Tuesday, November 13. So good to see you today. Thanks for being part of the program here at the Bill Press Show as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio 
on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action with Ray Locker here as a friend of Bill the entire hour. Ray, good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us. One story that we haven't had a chance yet to talk about today, which is pretty stunning. It's a lead story in this morning's New York Times. So the Khashoggi tape, Mm -hmm. which uh, President Erdogan said he was going to make available, he hasn't publicly released it. But we did learn that it's been sent to some world leaders, including Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, who has listened to it, mm-hmm. and to the – it was shared with Gina Haspel, the CIA director, apparently, when she went to Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's listened to it, and now um, somehow we knew it was going to leak. The New York Times, I guess, has a copy because they report this morning that on the tape – one of the gang of 15 who came from Saudi Arabia to the consulate mm-hmm. in Istanbul made a call back to the palace in Saudi Arabia and is heard as saying, tell your boss the deed was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was speaking to one of the top aides to Mohammed bin Salman. Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah. So if you needed a smoking gun, that's... Pretty close to one, isn't it? What does that tell us, and what are we going to do about it? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I don't think this administration is going to do anything about it. They've been making excuses for him since he (coughs) came in, and Jared Kushner has apparently a close relationship with him, whatever that means. It doesn't seem to mean anything, really. Um, You know, one of the things that strikes me about all of this that doesn't seem to be that commented upon is the Turks had that place wired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not – this is a – this is a foreign government's diplomatic, Emb- you know, embassy consulate in another country, and they are taping it like crazy. Um, I but mean, don't we, we do, do the th- same thing, I too. I was going to say, don't we do the same thing? Of course thing? we do. Yeah. But yeah. to know that you have no secrets there, I mean, don't they have a skiff? Couldn't they have taken somebody into a room where they did, did all that in private? It's stunning to me. And uh, the fact that they killed this guy for no good reason— um, and then lied about it and all the ham-handed excuses for what happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there was a fight. What, the 60-year-old journalist is going to go into a consulate and One start a fight with 15? 15 people? Yeah, right. You know, the only guy who goes into a diplomatic building like that and comes out alive is Jason Bourne, you know? <laughs> right. And, or that he went out the back door, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they send the guy, the look-alike, to put his clothes on? Yeah. I mean, talk about Yeah. Really? Creepy, right? Yeah, well, to make it look like he left. Yeah. I mean, the show's intent that they killed the guy. But I guess what we're both saying is they're going to get away with it. Or he, he, the prince, is going to get away with it. He'll get away with it for now. You know, I mean, things like this, they build up, they accumulate over time, and then sometimes they're not going to take him to The Hague. No, no. But maybe somebody inside uh, Saudi Arabia decides they've had enough of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, things happen. Right. I mean, we had a king of Saudi Arabia in the 70s, King Faisal, who was a great U.S. ally, was assassinated. Um, and certainly I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but those but, things well, happen But sometimes. short of assassination, there could be a palace coup. There could be an—I mean, there, right. there are enough princes there, including right. some of his brothers, right? Yeah, who brothers, think, uncles. Right, yeah. who think that they, rather than he, should have been next in line. Yes. So there, that could happen. Right. But in terms of this government's— Doing taking any action doesn't look like. Uh, basically, we've forgotten about it. Who's going to do it? I mean, if the president doesn't want to do it, there's nobody else who has the standing to do that. 
Um, and, you know, if you try to do something, you see what happens to people who incur the wrath of the president. They get fired. Mm-hmm. Ask Jeff Sessions. You know, everybody thought this guy was Trump's toady and now he's gone. Right. Uh, and we learned today that uh, the, we, we knew other heads were, were mm-hmm. going to roll, that the next one is um, Secretary Nielsen of HHS, who is John Kelly's protege. Right. Um, but doesn't seem to he's been able to save her. Donald Trump, according to the Washington Post, has told, uh, has made the decision, has told people in the White House, it's just, she's got to go, it's a matter of time. It's not a surprise. I mean, it's been openly reported that he berates her in cabinet meetings, which is a terrible situation to be in. Um, You know, she's had her bumps since she's taken that job, you know, said she didn't know that Norway was a majority white country during congressional testimony. I mean, please. Yeah. Uh, She's desperately trying to do things to make him happy, but it's not working. Um, You know, what gets me is he he thinks that she has not been enough of a hard ass on immigration. (laughs) She's the one that carried out the. uh, the Yeah. Border separations, all that stuff and seems to be a believer in much of that. But she draws a line kids in cages. Right. But she says, look, we can't close the entire Mexican border. That, That just doesn't happen. Um, It shouldn't happen for a country that needs Mexico and all of its trading relationships. And if you were a member of Congress from Texas, regardless of party, you should be saying, stop doing this. What does it say about John Kelly's uh, longevity in the White House? I'm surprised he's lasted this long. He seems to have absolutely no mojo. Um, Trump does whatever he wants. um, And Kelly is powerless to stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really has. His influence that we all thought was going to be pretty long-lasting and pretty strong, right, has disappeared, evaporated. You know, it's a mystery to me why he ever took the job. So why does he hang around? Um, You're right. I don't know why he ever took the job. I'm going to say because he thinks it's the patriotic thing to do. Um, I wouldn't stick around in a job like that. I would never be asked in the first place. But (laughs) um, I think he believes it's his duty, and that's commendable, and we don't know the stuff that he has stopped. Mm-hmm. By the you way, uh, so it, everybody says Ryan Zinke's also on the list, right. the short list. Um, he's even been uh, auditioning for a job, pardon me, with Fox, <laughs> of course. But the one who hasn't exactly been fired but has kind of disappeared, whatever happened to Rudy Giuliani? I know. I was just thinking that. I mean, he was out every oh 10 God. seconds. He's, yeah. I'm, all, all three cable channels at once, you know. Right. Not that long ago, and now Could he it hasn't be, been seen or heard from in weeks. I think some of that may have uh, been due to the appearance of Emmett Flood, one of Trump's newish lawyers, probably the next White House counsel, um, who knows how to do these things and probably <laughs> says, look, this guy— we don't need him out there. He, you could tell that Giuliani wasn't read in on any kind of decision making. He was just talking. I mean, how could you be doing yeah. legal work if you're on TV all the time? Yeah, right. I, I think it's a really. They simple... didn't hire him as a lawyer for one thing. Yeah. They hired him as a TV yeah, right. head. Well, I think head. I think it's a very simple calculation. Anytime that anybody starts to outshine Trump for whatever reason, it's a bad sign. And he he really did start to outshine Trump. I mean, there were a lot of Rudy Giuliani stories. Not none of them were very positive, but there were a lot of Rudy Giuliani stories. Once he would go out there and just start making these claims and saying these things and getting Trump into more hot water, and that that's the end of the road. I mean, that's the last thing you can do if you're working for Trump. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he doesn't like it. It's really funny. Yeah, he gets so much attention, yeah, and yet for anybody to get even a little sliver of it, yeah, yeah, can't do it. So, um, gossip, I know, but (laughs) who's going to be the next attorney general? Ah, wow. I mean, it's not going to be Matt Whitaker, (laughs) please. Um, who wants the job? I mean, who out there wants the job badly enough, or who could get confirmed? Well, there is that. I mean, yeah. they have a little Although, bit more of a margin now yeah, than before. Yeah. Right. But there's a limit to people. Look, you got people who are up in 2020, guys like Corey Gardner of Colorado, looking at that map and this landscape. So Lindsey get, Graham. Yeah. Not such a You know, the interesting thing about Lindsey Graham is he's up in 2020. The Republicans in South Carolina did well, but not great. And you can see those and margins Democrats shrinking. Picked up a congressional right. seat in right. Charleston. And part of that, when you look at the returns for that district in the governor's race and in the House race, they pretty much matched. So hmm. Charleston County is a Democratic county and becoming more and more so. And the other counties in that district, which include Beaufort County, which is where Hilton Head is are less Republican, at least in this last election, than they have been in the past, only by like 10 points. So you can see that changing. Mm -hmm. And it's not a slam dunk for Lindsey Graham if he gets the right opponent. Don't know who that would be, but uh, it's possible. You know, related to that, I mentioned uh, earlier that um, our good friend Steve Shepard from Politico, Mm -hmm. one of the smartest political minds around, I think, uh, has a good piece this morning which surprised me because there's been so much emphasis on the millennial vote, younger people, you know, boom, 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 that 65% of the people that voted this, this in the midterms were 45 and older. Right. And that is classically a Republican demographic. Mm-hmm. Right. Not this year. This year it was like 50-49 Republican, yeah. just basically tied among people 45 to 64 or something and then 65 and older still tied. So that that older population swung to the Democratic Party. Well, part of it, college-educated people in mm-hmm. a lot of those districts tend to be older. And when you look at them all around the country, uh, Democrats either picked up those seats or came very close. Uh, it was the one in suburban St. Louis held by Ann Wagner, Republican woman. She only won by four or five points mm-hmm. in a district that's long been a Republican stronghold, which is kind of a danger sign, I think. You know, when... And, Georgia 6 with a Karen Handel, the one where the Democrats spent $30 million last year in the special. Right. And then, boom, out of the, out of the middle of nowhere. And, and she, yeah, and she beat John Ossoff, and now right. she's gone. Yep. Right. So, I mean, th- there are so many um, s- stories like that. Mm-hmm. I, I saw, I met uh, this woman, I think, Alyssa um, from Michigan. Alyssa Slotkin. Thank you. Yeah, yeah former CIA agent. You know, yeah. That's a district long held by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Trump picked it up, I think, by double digits. And she just went out to end up with me. She said, she described the district to me, I met her at MSNBC on Sunday, as suburban, um, Detroit. Right. A little affluent, wealthy, mm-hmm. uh, college-educated women, largely. They had enough of Trump. Yeah. I and, think that's the biggest factor, by the way, because we've talked about this a lot. And, you know... I, there are people who say, like, I just don't understand why someone would vote for Donald Trump. But I absolutely understand why someone would vote for Donald Trump. What I don't understand 
is why they would vote for him a second time. Why they would vote for him a second time, <laughs> or how you're still with him at this point in his presidency. And so we've had two years to see what kind of president he would be and what kind of leader he would be. And again, I understand why people voted for him the first time around. Two years later, I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse. I think there's that. I think there are people who are ancestrally Republican. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to vote for a Democrat because they're not Democrats. Yeah, yeah. And they voted for Trump two years ago because they didn't like Hillary Clinton and they wanted to vote for a Republican. And it's hard for them to reject all that. Their life, they see a party that has essentially been hijacked by one guy. Right. And it's a tough internal battle for people to make. And, I, you know, I take that seriously. I sure. don't think... And it's easier yeah. for them to vote for a Democrat who is not like for president, right? Who's right. just the guy, who's, the person right. who's going to fight for them, right? And yeah. that's sort of they can. It's an easy ramp up. So, it, it, in a sense, the midterms are still not over. I think that what about eleven House yeah. seats still to be decided. We got a recount in Florida, uh, a recount in Mississippi. I mean, a runoff in Mississippi, and maybe a runoff in Georgia. Um, but as every day it. And look what happened in Arizona last night. The significance or the uh, the measure of the Democratic wins mm-hmm. increases. Right. Looks better and better for Democrats. Yeah. I mean, uh, even on the Senate side where they're going to lose probably two seats, I think mm-hmm. they'll probably lose in Florida. Mm-hmm. They picked up, you know, the Arizona seat um, and, and the Nevada. Nevada seat. So those – and they that shows pretty much a fundamental realignment, certainly in Nevada's case. Um, and I think Arizona is on its way. Now, Nevada is now a trifecta state. Yeah. Democratic governor and, and both, both houses of the legislature in addition to the U S Senate. Yeah. And two women senators. Yeah. Um, a big change, a big change from 30, 25 years ago. Uh, you know, and a big change in Florida too. I remember in 1988, you know, the first Bush won there 61-39. I was, you know, down there working. I remember Dukakis's campaign left at the end of September. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I didn't think that we would see a Democrat win Florida in a long time. And that started to change. And I think it could change again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, were you surprised that um, Bill Nelson actually ended up getting more votes than Andrew Gillum when everybody thought it was going to be the other way around, right. that Gillum was going to pull Nelson across the finish line. And, uh, and what happened? I think there were just oh. a significant enough people who didn't want to vote for a black Democrat to be governor. That the Bradley effect? Yeah, that might have been some of it. Uh, you know, Bill Nelson is a very durable political figure in Florida, so um, people are used to him. And Rick Scott... Rick Scott finds a way to win regardless of what the cycle is. And, you know, but there's a lot of people who don't want to vote for him and they didn't vote for him. So there's a lot of factors, I think, in that case. So the Republicans have really decided that uh, come hell or high water, right, um, they're, with, ev- with evidence or no evidence, they're going to claim the whole thing is rigged, fixed, voter fraud, right. massive voter, massively infected was Donald Trump's term right. yesterday. They tried to get Martha McSally to do that in Arizona, mm-hmm. and she would not go along with it. Right. To and her ne- credit. And neither would the Republican Secretary of State in Arizona. In Arizona. So, look, yeah. you know, they're running those elections. You're saying that 
I, I as a Republican official, am running a scandal-plagued election? No. And I think if you looked in some of those counties, like Maricopa County in Arizona, probably has Republican countywide elected officials in charge of a lot of that, too. So you're telling members of your own party you're running a crooked election, and they know it's not true. Yeah. Uh, and in Florida, a judge yesterday said, basically, no evidence, right. cool your jets. Right? Yeah. Not going to stop them. Right. It's all part of a plan, isn't it, to undermine confidence in the election? And also, I think they're sort of setting the setting the ground for 2020 already. Yeah. Well, some of those people, and I, I, you know, you saw it in 2000 with the alleged Brooks Brothers riot, which was no riot at all. It was staged. There were more staged demonstrations like that again. Yeah. Um, it's not spontaneous. It's fixed, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what they do because they think they can win that way and they have gotten away with it before um, and they may get away with it again and they're not going to stop people from counting the votes yeah I don't know if there are enough uncounted votes to make a difference and to the naked eye that if you see the changes in Broward happen over time and you know that that's a county that the Democrats won four to one mm-hmm. you would be suspicious but when then you look and see how it's actually playing out the details it's not that suspicious. Yeah. These Le- are legal ballots for some that somehow right. did not make it in. Some of them, and uh, I, Huffington Post points this out this morning, military ballots coming mm-hmm. from overseas, which were an issue in 2000 as well. Right. Uh, and on Veterans Day, Donald Trump said they should not count those ballots. Right. right. <laughs> you know, you would think that they would probably vote Republican. There's no yeah, guarantee. Yeah. yeah. But- why do you want not want those counted? What are you afraid of? What do you think is going to happen? And I think they think they're going to lose when these legitimately cast ballots are counted. Um, and that will engender more controversy, more lawsuits. I saw this morning on uh, Morning Joe a couple of a couple of stories this morning. Uh, morning Joe, Kirsten Gillibrand was on Morning Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about um, she's going to take a serious look at 2020. Uh, I started morning that the front runner for 2020 after the Tuesday is now definitely Kamala Harris. So everybody's got this theory right. about is who might have emerged from the midterms among the Democrats as the clear front runner or runners for 2020. Do you think anybody really did? No. <laughs> I agree. No. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, I think all of that is just BS. Right? I, I, I'm sick of it. You people know. are spinning this their own spin about right. how, you know. I uh, think people have various claims to some, you know, stature in this upcoming race. And, you know, we're going to know soon enough who's running and who's not. By the way, also on the list is Beto. Right. He didn't even win. Yeah. I, I love him. I love him. I think he'd be a great candidate. But people are talking about him and he's talking about 2020. You guys, you're missing the biggest name in the 2020. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, here he is. He announced yesterday. I'm Richard Ojeda, and I'm (laughs) running for the president of the United States of America. There he is. Get ready. Get used to it. (laughs) Richard Ojeda. And I'm telling you why he's running, because he can relate to people better than Donald Trump. I relate to the people far more than what the president 
can ever relate to these people. The very people that he comes down to West Virginia and stands in front of could never afford one single round of golf in some of his fancy country clubs. Like that right accent about that. alone. Yeah. He sounds like a coked up George W. Bush. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I never heard By the of way, him coked before. up George W. Bush is an oxymoron. Sorry. <laughs> but he, uh, Richard Ojeda, I would pronounce it Ojeda, but it's in, in West Virginia, yeah. it's Ojeda. I can see right. that. Uh, he uh, ran for Congress right. as a Democrat and lost. He's a veteran, I think, or veteran state senator. Oh, he's a um, state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looks, interesting guy. He looks like a skinhead. Yeah, well, he was a veteran, you know, and he <laughs> still wears the hair that way. Muscles on his forehead, just a yeah. bulked up, just huge. Looks like a bodybuilder. Yeah, right. But in a lot of ways, what being a Democrat has been all about, you know. The kind of Democrat that used to win in West Virginia all the time, uh, that Joe Manchin is still kind of that Democrat. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are people like that who still have appeal. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways are necessary for the party you know, yeah. to do oh, well. Totally, totally. Um, yeah. So so we do have, I should thank you, Peter, for pointing out, I mean, there are two announced candidates, uh, Richard Ojeda and... Um, John Delaney from John Delaney, yeah, <laughs> congressman from Maryland. Right? Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't see it. I, I, the guy's obviously <laughs> been successful in life. Yeah, uh, he's a long shot, and he knows it. And uh, I guess if he's going to live in Iowa for the next, you know, fifteen months, more power to him. But I was just thinking, did he give up his? He, he gave up a seat. He did give up. Yeah, his seat. to another. So he's no longer. Con- well, he right. is until the end of the year. Right. Yeah. And now he will be succeeded by David Trone, another rich Democrat self-funder, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, across across the board, um, I mean, people felt that if Andrew Gillum won, he would be automatically, you know, thrust into 2020. Right. Beto, if he won, but now even not by, by, by not winning, um, people are talking about him. And then you've got... What a dozen uh, Amy Klobuchar also people right. saying she won sixty percent or whatever it is you know boom that propels her mm-hmm. uh, into twenty twenty but but maybe a dozen senators yeah probably um, not as many governors because their bench was so thin going into right. Uh, right you know this year although you have but, Steve Bullock the Democratic governor of Montana who's oh talking yeah he's about mentioned it. he's mentioned you know right. and uh, right. why not oh no listen. I've said it so many times. Governors, I think governors make the strongest candidates. Yeah. But, you know, we don't have, I don't think, any outstanding governor right now. You would think, you would say Andrew Cuomo. Right. <laughs> the problem is nobody likes him. Nobody <laughs> likes him. He keeps winning by huge margins and is yeah. relatively effective. Yeah. But is so abrasive, you know, like industrial grade sandpaper abrasive, <laughs> you know. And, uh, not cuddly. No, on nobody's list is Andrew Cuomo. Isn't included. that crazy? The guy wins with sixty New plus York percent. State. Yeah, I think that that's just a hard sell nationally, for reasons that aren't really fair. I know. Yeah, you're right. You know, it used to be. If you look at his record, yeah. his record's good. Right, and he keeps winning. You know, yeah. when I grew up in New York State. And I upstate New York, and I remember New York City. Everybody thought it was this drain on the economy, and now it's this booming megalopolis that you know, showering wealth all over the rest of the state. It pop, props up the rest of the state. Yeah, they just got um, richer with Amazon. Yeah, Peter, I just have to chime in because he's tweeting. 
Oh, the no. president is tweeting, oh, and he's taking out against. Uh, he's going out against Emmanuel Macron. He oh, says, yeah. "The problem is that Emmanuel suffers from a very low approval rating in France, twenty six percent, and an unemployment rate of almost ten percent." He was just trying to. This is about the nationalism versus patriotism mm-hmm. clip. He says he was just trying to get onto another subject. By the way, there is no country more nationalist than France. Very proud of their people, and rightfully so. Make France great again. And then, I, this is going to drive you nuts, I'm sure, Bill. On trade, France makes excellent wine, but so does the United States. The problem is that France makes it very hard for the U.S. to sell its wine into France and charges big tariffs, whereas the U.S. makes it easy for French wines and charges very small tariffs. Not fair. Must change. <laughs> Lest we forget that there is Trump winery. Uh, yes. But this is now becoming a personal crusade for the president. <laughs> so he's got to pick a fight with somebody, right? Somebody, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, he says, you know, I, if you say something bad about him, he's going to fight back, which means he's probably fighting against everybody. Right. And I think the reality is, too, that his trip to Paris was a disaster. Why did he even go? I know. I mean, he didn't show up really at anything. Um, all he did was get bad press. He went there right. to tweet. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, you think about all the things that he does or doesn't do that if a previous president had done or not done those, what would have happened? And, you know, where's the where's the outrage? I mean, I think that the um, failure to go to that to drive, take the drive in the rain out to that cemetery on Saturday is going to haunt him Uh, because there's just under the George Bush administration, the Barack, there are pictures of all of them out in the rain. Right. Right. We saw them all over the weekend, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Or they had a backup plan. Right. You know, and it wasn't that long a drive, and there's no reason why he couldn't drive. And every other head of state drove to their particular mm-hmm. cemetery, and he chose There's no reason why to. he couldn't have taken the helicopter. The weather wasn't that bad. Yeah. Well, even, even if. Right. Right? It was an hour drive. Yeah. Every president who goes anywhere has multiple contingency plans. Specifically to avoid events like this, mm-hmm. because you don't want to create but, an embarrassment, and but, you're insulting the people that you're going to visit. But here's what it says to me: is there's nobody. I mean, ultimately, it, it's his responsibility. The buck stops there. But there's nobody around him who will stand up to him and say, "No, you've got to go. You cannot. You cannot stay here in the embassy." I mean, we we don't know really what happened. We know there's a story, and it's going to come out. You know, now that they're back. Where was know. John Kelly? Where was you know? Well, John, John Kelly Kim? was at that cemetery. That's right. You yeah. sent him out. Where was yeah. James Mattis? Where was somebody? Where was Ivanka? Who could say, "Daddy, come on." Maybe she did. Get your pajamas off. Yeah, and maybe right? he said, "I'm not doing Get dressed. it." Dressed. You know. Uh, It'll it'll take a while. We'll find out what happened, and they'll deny it. What happened? But you know, we'll know it's true, because it's always true. <laughs> That's right. We'll know it's true. Ray Locker with us here on the uh, Bill Press Show. His friend of Bill stays around, and we're going to be joined. Find out the latest on um, Robert Mueller. Matt Whitaker is his job really to axe Robert Mueller, and also what can we expect from Mueller in the uh, days ahead? Max Bergman from the Center for American Progress. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on this uh, Tuesday, November 13, uh, the Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital. 
here in Washington, D.C. And uh, I know what you're all thinking, and I know what you're all asking, so uh, let me just tell you, flat out, the reason I'm looking so good today is I'm wearing this beautiful hand-woven scarf by the real talent in the family, Carol Press, uh, <laughs> hand-woven rayon chenille scarf. It's that time of the year. Uh, getting a little chilly. You need that extra little warmth. Uh, nothing better than a work of art. Uh, and that what that is every one of these scarves right there. There's her uh, name tag, Carol Press. Um, so you can be as lucky as I am and wear one of these. If you just go to our website, BillPressShow.com, click on the link to the Carol Press scarves. Lots of beautiful different colors and desi designs to choose from. Uh, some out of bamboo, which is a really beautiful soft fabric. Or this one I love, rayon chenille. Check them out, um, and uh, you can look as dapper as I do today. Uh, here in studio with us uh, the entire hour is a friend of Bill, Ray Locker. Ray, thanks Great to be here. for you to, to come in today. And joining us now from the Center for American Progress and the Moscow Project, Max Bergman. Max, it's good to see you. Good to see you. We were just talking before you came in about the fact the president did not go Saturday. He chose not to go because it was raining. Yeah. And, you know, he's got that orange hair. He didn't want the dye to uh, be dripping down his neck, I think, or something. <laughs> Whatever. He chose not to go. Uh, and um, we mentioned, Ray, you mentioned that he could have, you thought, maybe still chose a helicopter, but, um, or, if not, to drive. Now, as if he were listening, maybe he was listening right. to us, because the president just this minute <laughs> tweeted, by the way, when the helicopter couldn't fly to the first cemetery in France because of almost zero visibility, I suggested driving. Secret Service said no. Too far from the airport and big Paris shutdown. Now, it was a 55-mile drive. Right. You know, on the road. Yeah. And he was going from Paris, not from the airport. I mean... To me, that's total BS. Doesn't add up. I'm waiting for the leaks from the Secret Service imminently. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you, isn't it classic to blame the Secret Service? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made me do it. Right. I'm not the president of the United They made me do it. Max, you're good. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, if anything, if it's anyone's fault, it would be the president's. But if b besides the president, you could look at his advance team for not having laid out a potential contingency that we'll have to drive because it might rain. It seems ridiculous. I mean, the president didn't want to go the whole time. He looked grumpy and unhappy when he was there and he missed a real opportunity to show uh, show uh, loyalty and, and with our French and German allies and to show that he sort of embrace the memory of World War One, and and to salute those who who and died, just, and just to honor our troops, yeah. right, who left their laid down their lives in in the mud in France. By the way, right. in the rain and in the snow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They went out in the rain. They didn't get the day off because it was of absolutely miserable. You know those conditions. Uh, the Moscow Project. All right. <laughs> uh, it's gotten a little more complicated these days, yeah. right? Uh, because now we have a new guy in charge. Right. There's sort of Why an, was Whitaker put in as deputy attorney general, in your opinion? I mean, I think it's it's totally obvious, and it's spelled out when Whitaker wrote an op-ed and appeared on CNN last year saying, here's how I would shut down the Mueller investigation. Was it that recent? It was year? It was last year in, in the summer of 2017, and then shortly thereafter, he's sort of forced upon sessions as his chief of staff. Uh, so it's, it's, there's no question, right? If, 
uh, that this is about Whitaker's appointment is about shutting down the Russia investigation. If it wasn't, if it was just, you know, th- let's also say, this isn't about policy. This isn't about Jeff Sessions having, you know, a horrible approach towards immigration that's really, you know, harsh and and uh, and and betrays our values because Trump believes what Sessions is doing uh, at the Department of Justice. He supports him wholeheartedly. All the policies that he's implementing. The one area is that Sessions didn't. Re- Sessions recused himself. Of, from the Russia investigation, which meant Sessions couldn't protect him. So who does he want at the Department of Justice? Someone to protect him, and that's what Whitaker said he would do, and that's why Whitaker is there. Because if it wasn't, if that wasn't the case, then he would just fire Sessions. And what happened in every other experience that I had in government was that the number two, the person who was put in a position to be the number two or number three, uh, confirmed by the Senate, would then take over. That's what happens when a secretary of state leaves, when yeah. a secretary of defense leaves, the acting, the number two becomes uh, uh, in, in charge. And Trump deliberately went around that in such uh, an unusual and possibly illegal way, pointing Whitaker. This is about protecting him and about stifling, shutting down the Mueller investigation. Uh, George Conway, um, husband of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting household. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, but so there, there's no doubt that Whitaker is, is uh, let's say, not friendly to the Mueller investigation. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah. this seems like classic obstruction so of justice. So he said yesterday that he will not uh, cut off the funding for the Mueller investigation. I think his, you know, value is limited. I think his tenure is going to be short. Um, I think whatever he tries to do would go to court immediately. And so it seemed like, you know, this brilliant move, right? Not going to be that. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, I think Mueller has stuff in the can. He he was looking at Election Day like everybody else, knowing that Sessions wasn't going to be around very long. Because you'd have to be an idiot not to, because all the times he was going to get fired. And so I'm sure there are things sealed. I've read that there are like 16 sealed indictments. I don't know if that's true or not, but they're ready. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, it seems that, I mean, Mueller's a smart cookie, right? Yeah. That yeah. he must have known this was coming and be ready to go with whatever he's got. Uh, right. I think one. So I think that's right. So Mueller, do you think we'll hear from Mueller soon? I I hope so. I think so. And that's what uh, you know. All the reporting has indicated that Mueller has indictments ready to go from people who have appeared before the grand jury. Uh, it, you know, if we hear from their lawyers, they're the ones who are leaking. It seems an indictment of Roger Stone, indictment potentially of Don Jr. and other individuals seem to be imminent. I think the one question is. It may be that Mueller, we think Mueller had this break glass plan. We think he does have it. But it may be that, you know, frankly, a, has his a, a break glass plan, i.e. The, oh, break glass. You know, the fire's okay, going, yes. he's going to break yeah. the glass, yeah. ready to move. But it, it may be that Mueller has decided, look, I can't actually move before I'm ready to move. Uh, and if a new attorney general, new acting attorney general comes and says, you can't issue any any indictments, you can't unseal any indictments, Perhaps Mueller is stuck. You know, there's only lim- he is an employee of the federal government and the president is ultimately in charge and the attorney general is ultimately in charge. So I think that we're in this this weird nebulous period where if we don't see any action, if we don't see any indictments, then I think we can uh, probably conclude that Mueller is actually being suppressed and that that's where the role of Congress needs to step well, in. I was going to say, but Ray, is there's a new player in town now, right, which is Democrats in right. control of Congress. 
and uh, Adam Schiff is no, it's Jerry Nadler, I guess, mm-hmm. Congressman Nadler, who will be head of Senate uh, House Judiciary, said that Matt Whitaker will be their first witness. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if there is any attempt to suppress, they're going to get. There's going to be some blowback. Absolutely. You know, in the last couple of weeks, this. Uh, the archives released the Watergate roadmap, which was a lot of the stuff yeah. done by yeah. Leon Jaworski when he was a special prosecutor. And really what it was was the grand jury report that the prosecutors turned over to House Judiciary in 1974. And what you could see in all these exhibits was grand jury testimony that we couldn't see before. And you get a sense of how a prosecutor builds up a case like this. Yeah. And so... In that case, the grand jurors wanted to indict Richard Nixon for a variety of crimes, and they didn't think they could, but they gave it to the House mm-hmm. so they could use it in the impeachment proceedings. So whether or not this House decides to impeach Trump or not, they're going to have this information and they're going to use it and in some fashion. So it'll be out there and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. There's no way that they could not they could not. That would not get in the hands of Congress. Would you both agree? I mean, that they could no way they could totally suppress this. No, I I I think that's right. I think there, you know, this will this could test the constitutional bounds of, you know, how House Democrats subpoenaing information. The perhaps the the Justice Department resists. Mm And then we're going to go to a potential Supreme Court battle as, you know, the same thing that occurred right. during during Watergate, except with perhaps a different Supreme Court. Uh, you know, I think that there's I think that this information will come out. I think the big question is there's a gap in time between when Democrats, uh, uh, you know, get the gavel in January. And what's clear to me is that Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump is acting guilty and usually when people act guilty, it often means that they are guilty. And part of what part of what we're seeing is that someone who who his campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, is now cooperating with Mueller. Trump's deputy campaign chairman, Rick Gates, his first national security advisor, Michael Flynn, a foreign policy advisor uh, cooperating and also Michael Cohen, his personal lawyer all cooperating with the Mueller investigation. This is one, this is an investigation closing in on him. And I think he's in a sort of desperate state and hence firing sessions right after uh, appointing this guy Whitaker, even though it has the clear appearance of trying to go after the Russia investigation. So I, I am worried about, you know, someone who's desperate does desperate things and we could be in this period where Trump will, you know, do whatever it takes to try to end this investigation or, or ha- allow himself to get out of it. Uh, I, I, I just want to throw in two two yeah. two things that I just wanted to read. Paula Reed from uh, CBS News uh, this morning says that Acting okay. Attorney General Whitaker is consulting with the DOJ ethics officials on his possible recusals amid calls from Democrats for him to step yeah. aside yeah. in the Russia probe, but also says, quote, I've spoken with many sources with knowledge of the special counsel investigation, and we do expect new indictments to be coming as soon as today, end quote. Whitaker says that? That's what Paula Reed says. Paula Reed says that she's spoken Mm -hmm. to some of the members. I know she's the one who reported on the, uh, that he's consulting with uh, uh, ethics officials about maybe... Were he to recuse himself, mm-hmm. oh boy, my God, Donald Trump would explode. <laughs> right? I mean, oh, I mean, it would be a very smart thing for him to do. Yes, it would make him look like a statesman, you know. Yeah. And why not? 
Uh, yeah. Do you really? I mean, do you really want to carry this guy's baggage for that long? Well, look at look at your former boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the stuff that he did and what what did he get for it? Yeah. Humiliated. Look how, look how look, 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 yeah. If you have any doubts that he yeah. would throw you under the bus as fast as he oh, threw uh, Jeff Sessions under the bus, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Sessions was the first member of Congress to endorse him. He perjured himself during his confirmation hearings, which is why he had to recuse himself. He did everything he could to ingratiate himself to this president, and look what he got for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerome Corsi, mm-hmm. yes. there's a figure, <laughs> has said he expects to be indicted. And he expects to die in prison. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's almost like he's inviting it. Right. Uh, because and he's this associate of Roger Stone. So the real question is to me is, why haven't they nabbed Roger Stone yet? They keep getting these people around him. I, I think there, I, 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 I think there was probably a clear waiting till after the election. Uh, they also want to make the case against Stone. And part of what they're trying to prove with Stone, let's be clear, is that the 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 break into the Democratic Party to the break into John Podesta's emails, which is equivalent to what happened in Watergate, breaking into the the party headquarters to steal information by the Russian by Russian intelligence. Mueller has already demonstrated that. What he's now trying to prove is that was coordinated. The release of those emails uh, publicly was then coordinated with the Trump campaign. So through, Ro- through people like Roger Stone, people like Jerome Corsi. Roger Stone, so, who admits that he was in contact, and we've seen emails, he was in contact with... With the Trump campaign. He was in with, with, and with, and, and and with WikiLeaks, with yes. With uh, Julian Assange. So, yeah. so the, the assumption here is that Roger Stone and, and perhaps Jerome Corsi played uh, inter, uh, figure, they were intermediaries coordinating, communicating. So they were involved in this Russian conspiracy uh, against the United States, as Mueller's proven, uh, and they involved the Trump campaign, and the Trump campaign willingly worked with them and coordinated with them. So this is going to get us to collusion. This is going to demonstrate that there was collusion and coordination between uh, the Trump campaign and the Russian interference effort. Please, there was no collusion. (laughs) You know, How many times have we heard that? They've made up this thing that Stone was fired by Trump in 2015. He was always in contact with the Trump campaign in some way, shape, or form, and the Trump White House, either through Manafort or Bannon or somebody. Um, You know, the thing with Roger Stone is he's really good at this, and he's really good at fuzzing things up and hiding his tracks, and he's had, you know, decades of experience doing it. And We'll see, you know, what happens to him. Some of the other ones I think are going to go down. You know, I saw this thing from Corsi. Oh, they can set up a perjury trap if they got your emails and phone. Yeah, that's because you perjured yourself, you know. You got caught and they proved it. (laughs) It's not a trap if you actually do it, you know. It's, uh, go ahead. And also, you know, Don, Donald Trump Jr. has also apparently oh, indicated uh, yes. that. Yeah. And, and one thing we should remember. There's a, I mean, the strong belief among the White House press corps is, yeah. that, is that he knows he's a target. And part of Donald Trump's increased ang- uh, uh, aggressiveness, if you will, or whatever, is about yeah. related it, to that. And, and I think, you know, one thing we have to remember about Donald Trump Jr. and the Mueller investigation is that. Uh, we didn't learn about the June 9th meeting where Donald Trump Jr. You know, was offered this Russian government support mm-hmm. and said he'd love it from Mueller. Mueller has never mentioned that meeting. It was Donald Trump Jr. putting the emails up himself on Twitter after the New York Times got them and was right. going to put them out. 
But so we have, and that that meeting likely broke the law. It was a meeting to get something of value, opposition research on their political opponent with, from a foreigner. And so taking that meeting, accepting that meeting, and then receiving, even if they don't claim it was useful, information is likely a violation of the law. So we haven't heard about that from Mueller. And there's a lot we also hmm. probably ha don't know about. he's got to be looking at that. Yeah, you know, he has to have looked at that. So I think, you know, then the fact that Donald Trump Jr., uh, worries that it's that he's going to be indicted, I think tells you everything, that these people know what they did, they believe what they did was a crime, and they think they're going to be held accountable by the Mueller investigation, hence all the reaction against the Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. Right. That whole meeting, there was that report that came out a few months ago, I believe it was for the Senate, Senate Intelligence, where it said, Don Jr., before that meeting, called a blocked phone number. Yeah. He acknowledged yeah. that his dad had a blocked phone number. And then after the meeting, called the same blocked phone number. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, they know who the, who was at that number. There's sort of, you know, we've been giving Trump the benefit of the doubt. That, oh, maybe he, maybe none of this will point to Trump. Maybe he didn't know. And maybe Mueller won't be able to find a smoking gun that points to Trump's involvement. But let's be clear. Trump ran the Trump campaign. And we know this because every embedded political reporter in the 2016 campaign Every Trump uh, campaign worker, Donald Trump himself, all said Trump is the main strategist. Everything goes through Trump. It's the mm -hmm. Trump show. Everything. So you're telling me on the most important decision, whether or not to collude with a hostile foreign power, Trump wasn't involved? No, he was. And and that's where the block phone number, I think, is going to be important, right. important evidence in this. You know, you mentioned, uh, Ray, at the, at the top of the hour, uh, I think we were on the air, then we were talking <laughs> about it, but... Um, how fast this news cycle moves, right? And how we barely get our teeth into one issue, one story before we're onto another. Like mm -hmm. the Jeff Sessions firing, yeah, we haven't even didn't even know the results of the midterms before <laughs> right. we were on to Jeff Sessions. Well, then there was a news conference yeah. attacking CNN and mm -hmm. um, forget her name from PBS at any rate. Uh, and then we were ready to talk about that, and then we got Jeff Sessions yeah. an hour later. Right. Then there's a story last Friday where the Wall Street Journal reports that all of Trump's denials about arranging, personally arranging the payment of hush money right. to Stormy Daniels and to Carrie McDougal, that he was personally involved meeting with the uh, sadly named David Pecker from the <laughs> National Enquirer uh, to, to arrange this all himself. And and that's just sort of poof, disappeared. <laughs> right. Any other time we'd spent yeah. a week talking about that. Yeah. But that's pretty significant, right? I mean, he denied knowing anything about it, and Wall Street Journal says total lie. Oh, that was a great story. Yeah. I, I think the thing with Trump is we've gone beyond the point where we say, well, he said something without evidence. No, it was a lie. He lied about it. He yeah. lies about so many things. It's just not debatable because he'll say something, and you go, I know that's not true because – in 15 seconds, I can find a video in which you said the opposite yeah. thing. I don't know Matt Whitaker. I, don't know Matt I love Whitaker. Matt Whitaker. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So that's a lie. You know, either that or it's a sign of dementia. And I don't, I'm not qualified to diagnose that. He lies. And I think people know that. And, and so when they see these stories about... Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Well, yeah, we knew he was lying. But Mac, Max, that could be illegal, right? I mean, yeah. If, well, yes. well, he's already been named as an unindicted co-conspirator in in a crime related to this. Where this is when Michael Cohen pled guilty 
and pled guilty to doing what? To paying off these women before the election, which was an illegal contribution, a violation of election law. And in the right. indictment, it named Trump as an unindicted co-conspirator. That was in right. August. And, and it's sort of been poof right. out of our minds that that's happened. And I think this is one of the one of the challenges for House Democrats. It's, you know, you Trump has done probably broken so many laws. There are probably so many crimes that have been committed uh, both before the election and after the election in both in his administration. And, you know, they are very reticent to move forward on impeachment. They don't want to do it because they think it'll it'll backfire against them politically. So if they are, it has to be for something that the American people find outrageous. And one of the things that I am worried about is that our level of outrage, our outrage meter has has sort of plummeted because we're now sort of exposed to so much. But that's where the Mueller investigation comes in, because I think even for this president, if you're going to conspire with a hostile foreign intelligence agency with the Russians to defeat your political opponent, that is just something that cannot stand in American democracy. And and so I think that will be that, that's why everyone's so focused on. Right. It. Remember when uh, our level of outrage was uh when a president wore a tan suit. Oh my God, I was horrified <laughs> yeah. by that. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's crazy. I mean, as you said earlier, we passed the day when you say, if any other president would get away with a quarter of what Donald Trump well, has no, done. No other president even tried to do this. Yeah. I mean, even Nixon, when things were really bad for him, and he did a lot of bad things, went through the motions of being a president. I mean, and did some great things. I mean, in, yeah. uh, the Arab-Israeli war, I mean, a lot of it was Kissinger, but he, Nixon was involved. He went to the Middle East. He went to Russia, you know, when his whole his presidency was going down the toilet. I got to stop you. What's the name of your Nixon book? Uh, Nixon's Gamble, the first one, and the second one, Hague's Coup, coming out May 1st. Oh, all right. There we go. Glad we got that plug in. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, Ray. Thank Great you. Great to see you. Uh, Max, good for you to, it's good for you to come in. Thanks for having keep me. Keep on it. All right, keep this up we'll to do. date. That's it for you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the Bill Press Show.